Hello, welcome to Binge or Purge streaming reviews. My name is Demo. My co-host is Joe Taylor. This is episode nine, approaching double digits, Joe. Yeah, hey, thanks everyone for coming back. Nine episodes. Yeah, wow, it means really nothing in the grand scheme of life, but it's it means something to us Yeah, right now. I agree. Because 10's on its way, and 10 is where the money starts coming in. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. We're going to be like Scrooge McDuck here in a couple oh, of Oh, I'm just going to go ducktailing in that gold. <laughs> I love it. Now, I have a special surprise for you. Uh, and a surprise for our listeners um, related to the first show that I want to talk about. Really? Yeah, we have, we're doing something this episode that we've never done before. We are. We are. I'm scared. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting, and it's an honor to have uh, this thing happening. Oh. So you'll Are you changing the format on me, man? Yeah, I'm totally changing the format. It's a new host, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So this is actually going to be a very special episode, and we're looking forward to that. But first, we always start off with a reaction. Yes. Game of Thrones finished its run this past weekend. Season 8 was the end. And I said earlier, a couple episodes ago, that uh, all it had to do was stick the landing. And it'd be like the greatest show of all time. And not only did Game of Thrones not stick the landing, it broke both its legs doing it. Wow. I. And I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit of an apologist for the show. I do, I've noticed that. I mean, I kind of was okay with how it ended. It had already, it already blown it so much throughout the season that I thought the final episode was fine considering how much the season was already a complete joke. That's, now, let's remind people, this is what you say your favorite show This is my all-time favorite show in the world. Hated the ending. Until it wasn't. I mean, hate is a strong word, but yes, I mean, who am I kidding? I hated it. It was it was an epic disappointment. Um, I have to just live with it. I have to move on with my life. I can't. Uh, I'm trying not to dwell on it. I'm almost even want to talk about it anymore because I'm so sick of like the last couple days. It's just been like it's been like a funeral. It's been this isn't this isn't a recap. This is a post mortem. It's an autopsy on what went wrong with my all time favorite show. And I think at the end of the day, it's just rushed writing. The showrunners, uh, Benioff and Weiss, they were like, we're done. And uh, just fill in the blanks. It was like Mad Libs. They're like, well, you know, we need uh, Daenerys to go crazy. So, we, you know, fill in the blanks here. And it, oh my God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I've been, I'm sorry. It's so upsetting. And I I saw it with multiple people and uh, my my good friend, Michael, We've been watching it since day one together, and he was irate. He was outraged with the ending. And I was like, uh, I wasn't completely, I thought it was fine for what it was, but ultimately disappointing in a huge way, a colossal way. As someone who liked the show, didn't love the show like you, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, As far as the way it ended, I was fine with it. It made, made sense to me, wrapped everything up. Sure. Now, would you recommend it to having been through the whole thing now? If someone said, "I think I'm going to start watching from season one, episode one," would you say do it? Or it's say so funny. I, all over Facebook, it's like, "Should I start it? Should I not?" No, and I'm like, I just say, go in knowing that it's not going to land. That it's not going to stick the landing. It's it's a letdown. But so much of it for so many seasons is so great. You're doing yourself a disservice 
not to watch it. But at the same time, I know in the back of my head, anytime I go back to watch it now for myself, I'm going to be like, uh, if only they hadn't fucked the ending. So, uh. you know, I'm a bit crestfallen over this. <laughs> okay. Really. I mean, it's, it's depressing. I'm depressed. I'm All upset. Right. You know, you, you invest so much of yourself emotionally in a show, which you shouldn't do, really. As human beings, we shouldn't put this much into a television show. But I did. Nine years of love, 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 loving something. And uh, then it broke my heart. See, I, the, I appreciated the ending. Uh, one thing in particular about the ending, which was that the whole show, and again, I, I didn't watch a couple of the middle seasons, but I saw most of it. The whole show, they're chasing the Iron Throne, right? That's the thing that everybody wants to, to sit on. It's in the Literally. title. It's in the title. Uh, and the Iron Throne, it's, this isn't a spoiler by now, right? It's oh, I, you know what? If, spoilers. I hate, I'm, just, I'm so sick of spoilers. We're saying okay. whatever we want. Okay. Uh, the Iron Throne gets destroyed. So there is no Iron Throne. Nobody gets it. And I thought that was cool. Uh, you know, when, people, when there's stories about people chasing um, a thing, and then the, the thing goes away, and then it's like, where are they? What are they really? What are they really after? What do they really need? So, I liked it, man. I thought I thought it was good, but again, I wasn't that invested in it. So, right. I I just want to say I thought the ending was fine for what the season had already turned into. Like I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't going in to the sixth episode thinking it's going to redeem itself. Not like I had already resigned myself that it was lost. And, uh, you know, lost the TV show in one way or another. I'm, I'm, you know, it's a Freudian slip. Good one. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. If you go on iTunes, um, a, about 20 of the uh, p- podcasts that are more popular than ours in the uh, TV and film category are only about Game of Thrones. So I'm expecting our popularity uh, to increase quite a bit now that half the uh, TV and film podcasts are... Not going to have anything to talk about. Television is dead now. Yeah. Well. Long live us. They're going to they're gonna have to really hit a home run with some of these new shows. Are you watching Chernobyl? Um, let's talk about that another time. Okay. I started it. All right. I'm going to finish Chernobyl, and then when it's done, I think we can discuss it. Okay. I'm three episodes in. Well, there's only three episodes so far, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it when it's done. It's weird watching something once a week again, isn't it? It is, but I, I like watching things once a week. I like, I like the buildup, the anticipation. It's like something to look forward to. I'm going to be honest, binging a show, it's, sometimes it comes off as work. It really <laughs> does. It's like, oh man, how many I got to go through? I mean, it's just like this list you got to work down. And when it's once a week, it's like, it's this treat for you, you know? I get it. Well, let me tell you about a show that um, you could sit down and watch probably in a couple of days. Uh, and binge. It's on Netflix. Uh, it's called The Society. Have you heard of it? I have started it. Okay. I'm about of a third of the way through. The Society is about a group of high school kids that get stranded. Um, it's th- the way I would describe it to people is Lord of the Flies meets Lost. Mm-hmm. Because um, they're left kind of all alone. Um, it tackles some pretty big stuff. Uh, the performances are great. I'm going to say right off the bat that it's a binge, only because I don't want to take too much more time setting it up because we actually have a special guest today. We do. We have a caller, 
and not just any caller. We have Emilio Garcia Sanchez, who plays Jason on the show. He's one of the guard, and uh, he's calling in uh, to let us interview him. So let's see if we can get him on the phone here real quick. On the phone with us now is Emilio Garcia Sanchez on the new Netflix show, The Society. Emilio, thank you for being on with us. Oh, what's going on? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Welcome to Binge Your Purge. You are our first guest, man, so uh, this is pretty cool. Wow, that's exciting, man. I'm, I'm honored. I'm humbled. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Um, we wanna, uh, First, we want to plug your Instagram, first of all, because, you know, uh, you are at Emilio.gs, correct? Yeah, that's me. Awesome, awesome. Cool, so people can find you there. They can also find you on The Society now on Netflix. Uh, how do you describe that show when people ask you about it? Uh, the Society is uh, it's, a, it's a youth adult, young adult drama, um, a little bit of uh, reimagining uh, The Lord of the Flies, a little bit of a sprinkle of uh, the classic show, uh, The Pied Piper, um, and a whole lot of teenage angst. Essentially, these kids get transported uh, to another dimension, another world that is identical to their hometown in New England, and uh, they are uh, living in this new world, though, without parents, and are forced to create their own society, you know, rules, and, you know, in the beginning, it's a lot of fun, and it's a party, but, you know, then the reality starts to set in, and we have to figure out how to survive, and, and who's in, you know, who's in power, who's in control. Uh, so, yeah, it's a lot of those really cool elements, you know, with lots of things yeah, uh, we've both, uh, Joe finished the show, I just started watching it, and I just want to make sure you're, uh, you play Jason, correct? Yeah, I play uh, Jason in the show, uh, he's one of the guard. One of the guard, the yes. Guard. Yeah. You're the muscle. Uh, yeah, the muscle, basically, the, uh, the, the, the alpha males of this new, uh, new society, um, they basically play, uh, an important role in this new world, um, essentially their, uh, the military. Yeah, uh, the guard. <laughs> now, uh, the show looks awesome. You guys filmed in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, we were out there for, uh, for four months uh, doing awesome episodes uh, from, like, the beginning of fall to the uh, end of December. Wow. Uh, yeah, we were wondering because it's, it's ten one-hour episodes, I believe, so it's, like, five movies, basically. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah, it really picks up steam. Uh, it really picks up steam uh, in, in the second half of the season, in my opinion. It yeah. gets pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing it, absolutely. Uh, question, um, how was, did you guys bond? Because you're out in Massachusetts by yourselves. I mean, how, did everyone get along? Was it a fun shoot, or was it like, oh, my God, miserable, I hate these people? No, I, you know, i got to be honest. It was, it, was a, it was like a dream. Uh, it was like a dream come true. It was... Everyone really uh, gelled. You know, we're all pretty much the same age in our early twenties, and, and you know, pretty much early in our careers. You know, there was no ego, there was no drama. Like, I'm sorry, like if that sounds boring. Oh no, that's what we we like it when people get along. That's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely. You know, especially got to spend you know twelve hour days with these guys. Um, but no, it, it felt very much like a, like a like a freshman year in college. You know, even staying at the hotel for four months. You know, with all these uh, you know all these you know, young like actors, um, and then working so much together, uh, we really bonded. Uh, and really, like, I'm, I'm, no matter what happens to this show, I'm super grateful to have, like, you know, new friends, new relationships. 
Now, let me ask you something. So you guys, you know, the characters sort of break off into cliques and there's a lot of different conflicts. There's at different times, there's like men versus women. Then it's like rich against poor and jocks versus nerds. There's a lot of cliques in the characters. Did the cast break off at all into like little groups? You know, we, we we did stay like a pretty good cohesive unit. We did get together a lot at uh, Toby and uh, Alex's house. Uh, they rented a home together, and oh, the, Toby plays Campbell, and Alex plays Harry. Um, so we did bond a lot like that. But I but I will say the the guard in particular, um, we were obviously like super super tight knit because all of our scenes were together, and you know we we instantly you know from the first day of shooting just had this. Uh, it's just romance between the four of us, um, <laughs> and, and we really gelled. You know, a lot of us worked out together. Um, you know, we ate together. Uh, yeah, no, the the dog is is a huge part of my heart. Wondering, I see that uh, Mark Webb was an executive producer, and uh, I believe he directed three of the episodes. And uh, he yeah, directed yeah. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Just curious, uh, how was he to work with? Uh, Mark Webb. Man, that is, uh, he, he is the commander-in-chief, you know, he, he really set the tone, um, he directed the first two episodes, he directed the last, so that was a really nice bookend, you know, for us actors, but, you know, we, I'm pretty, you know, we were in the Hollywood scene, and being able to work with, you know, such an incredible director like Mark, you know, Five Hundred Days of Summer, even The Amazing Spider-Man, I really enjoyed, um, he was so inclusive and just so grounded, I remember during the, uh, the second episode when we're all in the church, um, we're all pretty much there as a, as a cast, and uh, he went around to each actor and, and just to clarify and to see how they're feeling about the scene, and that just really resonated with me because he just took the time to ask all the actors, and it was like, you know, it's like 15 of us, you know, on the call sheet, and, and to ask, you know, our take on the scene, and and, and I didn't even have a line, you know, a lot of us didn't have lines in that one big ensemble seat of the church, you know, often we're in the church. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that just like really, that really stuck with me, it really resonated with me, just to have someone that, that, that cared, you know, and, and he's, you know, an incredible, you know, legendary director. So that was really, really awesome to work with. Yeah, man, this sounds like a great experience. I, I don't hear any negatives anywhere. That's awesome, man. No, none, none at all. I mean, it got, it got pretty cold. I would say that was the, the are you from the, are you from uh, where are you from originally oh, i'm from the uh, san francisco bay area and uh and i went to school and i live you know in southern california now so i'm i'm california kid you know so it was beautiful to experience the seasons and see the leaves change and, and see you know snowfall but but the cold was that was Level. Hey man, hey man, I know I'm from I'm from the East Coast. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's why I live in Los Angeles now. I wanted to get away from that, but uh, yeah. I know cold, so I hear you, man. Yeah, like if you there's a um, there's this we have a Thanksgiving episode, and before the, before we go inside to eat Thanksgiving together, we're all outside, and an alley played by Captain Dude. Um, she's holding a meeting uh, with all the teenagers, and uh, if you look at that scene. Right before we go inside and eat Thanksgiving, that was the coldest night we have filmed. It was, I can't remember how cold it was, but it was, like, brutal. And you, if you look at all of our faces, uh, you'll see, you know, little pink noses and sniffles and us clinging together. Um, I, I really got to, I got to give it the extras because they, they had to stay out there for 
really, really hammered it well. Um, granted, they're you know they're from the East Coast and, and they're from that area, but but they really they stood out there. Yeah, I got so much love for the extras on this show. <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot of love and respect for them. How many people did you guys take out there um, from LA, and how many how many were local hires, or do you know? Um, there were a couple of us that were in LA. I think like three or four of us were already in LA. Actually, probably more. Um, and then we had a couple kids, couple kids. Sorry, a couple, uh, a couple other young actors from uh, New York. They were mainly looking at New York and Boston casting. And then we actually had four actors from uh, Australia. Really, that's interesting. And are you? Yeah, uh... that was how happy are you with the positive reviews you've been getting? I mean, it seems like it's a pretty popular show. You know, it's it's only been about a week and a half, uh, two weeks since this whole thing has gone down, and, and I'm still honestly trying to get a grasp on it. it it's gnarly. It's, it's been a dream come true, and I'm so thankful that, you know, especially the younger audiences are responding so well to it. Um, just because I think that, you know, this show is a teen drama. You know, I'm not going to lie, you know. There's scenes about who's going to make out with who and, you know, love triangles. But what's also really wonderful about this show is that we talk about a lot of deep stuff, too, you know, and, and that is parallel, you know, to our world today and our world's history. And, you know, to talk about philosophy and religion and, you know, back to power and coups and, and, and government falling. Um, and, and to touch on all those, like, very serious, uh, you know, subject matter and, and, and the tone in which we deliver it is just, you know, really straightforward, I feel. Uh, it's just like that's a that's a dream come true, you know, to be able to work on a teen drama that that covers those those grounds. Um, and and it's even more of a dream come true to have you know the youngsters respond it because you know that just goes to show that you know you don't have to feed these these young viewers you know filth. You can actually give them quality you know quality kids, but you know they're still the the teenage angst and the triangles. So I'm very proud of this show, you know, to say the least. Yeah, and you know, without like giving anything away, there was some major events that happened uh, throughout the season, and I feel like it, it never had any any uh, corniness uh, in between. Like you know, compared to a show like Riverdale that um, has a little bit different tone. I mean, you guys pulled off a very serious um, delivery of some huge some huge life events. So I, I thought it was really compelling. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, Chris Kaiser. Uh, the showrunner, the creator, you know, pretty much, you know, the god of Newham. Um, he he really put a lot of time and thought, and, and he's one of the most intelligent writers that I've ever worked with. You know, he's just super educated um, and one of the coolest guys ever because, you know, you can take someone that intelligent, someone with all that knowledge, but, but have to, like, condescending to him, but he just, he looks you square in the eyes, he listens, and, and, and yeah, it's just, it's an honor, you know, speaking his words, really. Yeah, and he came from before this. He worked on a show called The Last Tycoon, which is also uh, one of my favorite shows. So it's no surprise that uh, that this show has amazing writing. Yeah, no, Chris, Chris Kaiser, if you don't know him, I guarantee you, all the viewers, Google Chris Kaiser, you'll recognize the show. So maybe you don't know the answer to this, or maybe you aren't allowed to say, but uh, when can we expect season two? Ooh, that... That is a great, great question, and I wish I had the answer. Uh, all I can say is keep watching, you know, keep rewatching. I gotta say to all the fans out there uh, that are making the memes, we we love them. I can't get enough of them. Um, it's it's yeah. That's all I can really say. Keep 
you pick okay. it, you keep watching. But uh, but yeah, hopefully we'll get an official word uh, sometime soon. Good. I would definitely love to go back to New and, and finish the story. I I want to figure out what's going on. You know. Yeah. Now, how how much was there a lot of secrecy around the script, or did, were you guys privy to all of it? No, it was it was. I wouldn't say it was secretive, but you know they they definitely limited our information. Uh, as they gave us, you know, the new script every week or week and a half, um, and they they definitely kept us on edge. And I will say that I know as much as you as the audience knows, as much as the viewers know, you know, in terms of like where exactly we are and what exactly is going on. Yeah. Um, but I know, I know Kurt Kaiser and all the other writers are, uh, are hard at work and, and I can't, I can't wait. I really hope to figure out or, or to read, I guess, you know, what they got up their sleeves. Okay. Hey, so, um, so what else are you working on? What's next for you? And yeah. What's, else? what's Miho? What's Miho? Wow. <laughs> that, you guys are great journalists. Um, <laughs> that is a, that's a great question. Yeah. So, I'm in post-production right now uh, for my short film that I wrote and produced um, that, you know, we're going to run to festivals, got our eyes on Sundance coming up at the end of, uh, the end of July, the end of August, that application to um, But yeah, we're in post-production for that. And it's just a little short story that I, uh, that I, that I wrote and uh, I had the money saved up from, you know, the society and, and, and I wanted to, you know, rather than spend it on, you know, material goods, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, to make my own story. Um, are you are you yeah. are you acting in that, or are you just behind the camera? No, no. I just I just wrote and produced it. Um, I got the director, uh, Eric Ortiz, who's a phenomenal uh, phenomenal director who I went to uh, went to college with. Um, and I just got all the team together, and uh, yeah, we had uh, two days to shoot it. Uh, the the main star of the the, the film is uh, a little girl. Uh, by the name of Liliana Valenzuela, and I had worked with her before. Um, yeah, it was just really exciting to be on the other side of the camera and just exercise other creative muscles and challenge myself in two ways. That's great, man. Congratulations. Just keep doing it, dude. Sounds like you're rocking right now. <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, you, just, you know, you got to just keep on creating stuff. You know, no matter what it is, just keep making stuff. Yeah, we hear you. That's what we're doing. We're like, just make it. You know, just do it. Absolutely. Hey, um, man. You know, I was, yes. No, no, no. Fin- finish your thought. No, I was just going to say that, uh, just on that note, that, you know, I was I was a little bit tired of asking all my friends to make stuff. Like, let's film something. Let's film something. And, and I just wanted to put my money where my mouth is. And, and I just decided to make something on my own. And I'm really, I'm really excited to share it with the world. Cool. Well, we are excited to see it as well. We'll keep an eye out. And uh, maybe when it's finished and available, we'll have you back on. Uh, I'd love that. This has been great. Thank you so much. Emilio, thank you so much for being on. Everybody, this was Emilio Garcia Sanchez, Jason, in season one of The Society on Netflix. Stream it right now. You can also follow him on Instagram at Emilio.gs. In case we didn't say it already, um, you know, we we rate streaming shows uh, binge or purge. This is definitely a binge. It goes without saying. So check out The Society on Netflix. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So much love. Really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on. You got it, man. Thanks, Emilio. Have a good one. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. Okay, that was cool, man. Our first call. Yeah, and we pulled it off. I know I acted surprised earlier on about this guest, but I knew it was happening. Believe me, we had to, like, plan the shit out of this. 
So I knew we were going to interview this guy. So I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah. I've never interviewed anybody. Have you ever interviewed anybody? Yeah, dozens of times. Shut up. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Emilio Garcia Sanchez. Um, follow him and uh, w- definitely watch The Society. I have a feeling there's going to be a season two. He didn't say that, and he might not know, but they kind of left it hanging. So I, there's got to be. I'm there, sure. There's a season two of 13 Reasons Why. There's got to be a season two of this. Um, anyway, okay, so that was my first thing, and I topped it off with an interview. So what do you got? Uh, well, I have a documentary on Hulu that just came out called Laddie, the Man Behind the Movies. And you're like, huh? Who? Who's Laddie? I don't know. Who is Laddie? It, it's, his name is Alan Ladd Jr., and he was a uh, Hollywood producer agent, studio head, all-around movie mogul from the uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. And this guy was prolific. Now, I have to say I have a bias towards this guy because when I was in college, I had an internship with his company. So I got, I got to meet him and intern with him while he was producing the Brady Bunch movie and Braveheart. So I got to see dailies from Braveheart like a year before the movie even came out. Hold on. So he was, he was doing the Brady Bunch movie and Braveheart yeah. at the same time. He's a diverse guy. It's a lot of range. It's a lot of range. I don't and know if there's two mov- movies that are further apart. I know. I know. But Maybe Brady Bunch 2 and Braveheart. But that's, this, that's how this guy was. He, you know, he, just was like, he wasn't like specializing in one kind of movie. Now, when I went there, I had read... I didn't know I was going to get any internship. I was like, they just, here here you go. You're going to the Ladd Company at Paramount. And I'm like, oh my God, Alan Ladd Jr. He was the head of 20th Century Fox when they made, da-da-da, Star Wars. Oh yeah, that's the uh, spaceship He's Yeah, the spaceship movie, thanks. (laughs) He's the man that greenlit Star Wars. So already right there, I walk in his office and he's got a script encased in glass that says uh, Star Wars The Adventures of Luke Starkiller and it's signed by all the cast now they changed the name since then obviously they changed the name since then but I mean that's how that's how you know from the beginning he was with his project and then he has a he had a giant mural of Star Wars in the lobby so I was like oh man this is the place for me like an idiot though I never once said hey man I love Star Wars because whatever point is this if you have any interest in how old school Hollywood worked. And I don't mean like old school, like, you know, the golden age. I'm saying like the, the Hollywood you sort of grew up with. It's a pretty interesting movie. Now he's the, the, his father was Alan Ladd, the actor from the movie Shane. Okay. And they get into that, but he did not have a close relationship with his father at all. And it was very strained. He was, you know, just really very distant. And there's a lot of resentment and the the movie was made by Alan's daughter, uh, Amanda Ladd Jones. She made this on her own, and she interviewed you know she interviewed Lucas and you know Ron Howard and you know a whole bunch of people. And if you like the nuts and bolts of how movies get made from an executive perspective, it's a fascinating doc. Now, I like I said, I'm biased because it's close to me. Like I you know. And I had my little, little touch with this. Did they interview you for the, uh, they did leave me out and I was, I was, I was upset. 
You now, know, now, I didn't even get a call, not an email, nothing. What kind of documentary is it? Because I've seen these things like I watched the Spielberg doc on HBO that was six hours long and it was like reading his Wikipedia page. Is there something compelling to this? Do they, do they get into like how some of these movies actually were made or is it just like, here's this guy, here's who he was, blah, blah, blah. Don't shit on me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just no, asking. No, you're, you're right. I mean, it's not, look, it's not like, oh my God, it's this, you know, what a what a take on a, on a movie maker that I've never seen before. It's a standard doc, you know, it's basically covering his life and the best that they can. But the guy made so many great movies, like Alien, The Omen, Police Academy. Don't forget Blade Runner. So how much does it talk about his movie making though or how much how much of it is just a lot of it is is the movie making and that's why i enjoyed it i mean they get into his personal life here and there you know but it's really it's primarily focused on the movies that he made how he got them done and just his you know his work ethic so i mean if you if you're if you like that type of thing it's a binge okay now if you're if you're like oh man i don't care or i don't care then then by all means purge but for me I thought I love I love the the making of Hollywood how it works I always have so I was already like leaning towards liking this and then obviously I you know peripherally know the man so it's definitely a binge for me and it's what is how long is it it is just under an hour and a half it's an hour and twenty four minutes and right now is the end of May and this is when we have the fortieth anniversary of Alien. And the 42nd anniversary of Star Wars. So it's kind of like right now's the time to watch this doc on Laddie. Okay. All right. So Demo says binge. Laddie, the man behind the movies on Hulu. Okay. Uh, That does actually sound pretty interesting. I will check that out. Um, The next thing I've got is a comedy special. It's on Amazon. It's in a couple other places. It's on iTunes. Uh, if you listen to this guy's podcast, like I do every single day, um, you'll you'll hear stories of him trying to sell this to Netflix. They didn't want anything to do with it, um, which is a little odd because it's a lot better than, I'd say, two-thirds of the comedy specials that are on Netflix. Now, I have a bias because I do listen to this podcast every day. This is Adam Carolla not Taco Bell material. That's the name of the show. It's also the name of his book, uh, one of his books, which was really good. So I'm a fan of his. His stand-up special was good. Having listened to him so much and, and read the book, it was a lot of stuff I'd heard before. He kind of comes off more of a TED Talk than a stand-up, and he had some photos and slideshows and stuff. Um, one of the coolest things was he went through his social security statement from the time he was, I think, 16 or 18 that shows your earnings by year. And um, he talked a lot about how poor he was until he was like 30. He didn't get on uh, K-Rock until he was 30. And he had years in his 20s where he made like $6,000. So it's cool to hear his story of how he kind of got into the business and has, you know, made a pretty good living now. Um, How he got fired from his radio job and had not only not a job, but not an industry, because talk radio sort of disappeared. Wait, he got fired from Loveline? No, he had a morning show on uh, on CBS Radio. Oh, okay. And they axed everybody, like us, uh, him, everyone. So it's not like he could go to another station. A lot of uh, stations flipped formats, and there just 97. wasn't... 97.1. Yeah. I, I, I listened to it. 
That's right. Yeah. And so he had to invent podcasting, basically. And he did it for a while or a long time, probably for free. And now, you know, I heard a rumor that um, his podcast network, he has several shows, uh, did over like $14 million in revenue last year from all of his various shows. So he's doing fine. He just bought a $5 million Porsche uh, that used to belong to Paul Newman. Anyway, his stand-up special was filmed in Portland. He does uh, five or ten minutes on Portland, which I think is great because I used to live there. And uh, he sticks it to him and, and makes fun of the city a lot. He gets um, he has some like racial material, and it's all I think good spirited. I mean, just like when Chris Rock does it, you don't think he's actually being racist. It is a little weird coming from a white guy, so I can see why maybe that um, doesn't sit well with people, but. I loved the special. I thought it was great. It's a binge for me on Amazon. Oh, right on. I mean, I when I think of Corolla, I think of Love Line with him and Dr. Drew. Yeah. For me, when I when I moved here, I think uh, Ricky Rackman was the host that was co-hosting with yep. Dr. Drew, and then soon afterwards, I started really listening, and that's when Corolla started. So for me, Love Line is Corolla. Yeah, just is because that's when I lived here. Well, you know, and I know Drew was on for years and years yeah. and years with all these other hosts, but to me, uh, Corolla and Dr. Drew, Loveline, that was it. And I, I listened anytime I could. I like when they would gamble on uh, whatever like uh, fucked up thing was going on with the caller, and they try to like analyze like if they were abused in childhood or if their you know parents are alcoholics. That was my favorite thing that they would do. Was ooh, Drew, let's gamble. <laughs> It it was a good show, and not everyone knows this, but they, uh, the two of them, Adam Kroll and Dr. Drew, have a podcast together. Um, it's half an hour long, but it's basically Loveline. Hmm. So uh, that's one of the shows on his network. But anyway, his stand-up's good. It's- I've never seen him do stand-up, by the way. I know he does stand-up, but I've never I've never seen it, so I'm interested. He he does not consider himself a stand-up, he, he will say. Um, he went out for quite a while to try and develop his stand-up, but... Even still, you know, him doing 90 minutes is not like if you or I tried to do 90 minutes. He, you know, he puts slides up and he, ta- like I said, he, he tells stories. He does games with the audience. It's, um, it's not like a Louis C.K. special or something where it's just a guy in a mic the whole time. Um, but it's good. It, I, I thought it was pretty funny. All right. Cool. Right on. Okay. So, so far, we've got The Society on Netflix, Binge, Laddie, Documentary on Hulu, Binge. Uh, Adam Carolla's stand-up special on Amazon. It's called Not Taco Bell Material. Binge. Now, that's only three things. Usually we do four. You have a fourth thing. Uh, save it for next week. Uh, okay, I think so, because we're running long, and honestly, I'd rather listen to Emilio than whatever you're about to talk about. So <laughs> I'm let's, sure. Let's not try and cut down the interview. We'll just leave the whole thing. And uh, Okay, I do have a final thought. Now, this came up uh, in a way, it came up when we were eating dinner earlier. We do eat dinner together occasionally. Most night, Monday through uh, Thursday, usually. Uh, but we eat early. We eat. Uh, we do about- the early bird specials. That's <laughs> well, uh, 6 p.m. <laughs> in bed by 7. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, old sitcoms. Now, I know we can't go back and review sitcoms that are on Netflix because they were on network before that. Um, I went back and watched the pilot episode 
I'll give I'll give you a million guesses. I'll give you one guess what what the show is. I went back and watched the pilot. The Office. Uh, no, good guess. I, even older than that, 1986. Pilot from 1986. Oh man, 86. I'll give you a hint. Gordon yeah. Shumway. Gordon Shumway. Gordon Shumway. Shumway. I need more. Alf. I went back and watched oh. the pilot of <laughs> Alf. <laughs> I went all the way back to Melmac. <laughs> yeah, Melmac, exactly. That's yep. where he's from. Um, I went back and watched the pilot of ALF. And then uh, besides that, I've been re-watching uh, Frasier. Now, you mentioned something to me. Um, we were talking about the Jeffersons and All in the Family. So it, in, uh, in the world of all four of those shows, uh, we both said the same thing, which is that the old sitcoms hold up. And what I meant by that is they're better than the sitcoms today. When I watched the pilot episode of ALF, I was like, this is the format. I mean, this is like, there's heart, there's a message, there's three acts. It's perfect. It should be what they teach in sitcom writing classes, which they sort of do. Um, have you ever taken a sitcom writing class? I have not, but I can't believe we're talking about ALF. I'm not, this, I'm not coming down on it, but I mean, I did not see ALF. No. Making an appearance in our podcast. Well, here he is. And I'll tell you, if you're a writer. Hide your cats. Hide your cats. If you're a writer and you want to see how a sitcom is supposed to work, watch ALF because it's, it's perfectly structured. And I don't mean that it's mechanical, but um, just the way that it's written, it's so good and it's so funny and it has some deep meaning to it. Now, Frasier obviously was very popular. I think it was on for 11 years or something. Um, so that's a good one too. But when I watch stuff today, like, uh, I won't name any specifically, but some of the popular multi-camera sitcoms don't hold a candle to Alf. And that's my final thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's end with that. By all means, let's end with that. I wish there was a camera I could look right into and say, Alf. It's bad enough you looked right into my eyes when you said that, okay? I mean, there was some sincerity there that frightened me a little. Yeah, so go back and watch old sitcoms. That's all I'm saying. They're pretty good. Right on. All right, that's it, man. Thank you. Uh, We want to give a shout out to our guest today, Emilio Garcia Sanchez. Uh, New season, first season of The Society on Netflix. As always, I want to give a shout out to Jess the Facts. You can follow her at the Jessica Greer on Twitter, and uh, come back next week because we'll have we're we're guaranteeing next week four shows at least at least at least we're gonna we're gonna plow through a bunch next week. We got we got some stuff in reserve, so we're gonna nail it for you. Yeah, and send us an email at binge or I'm sorry, binge or purge podcast at Gmail. Uh, Twitter's at binge or purge. Facebook slash binge or purge. Leave us comments. Well, we would really like to hear from you if you agree or disagree or if you have stuff that you uh, want us to know Did about. Did you like the interview? Do you want more interviews, less interviews? What do you think of Alf? You know, et cetera. <laughs> All right, we're done. For Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. See you next time.